brought to you by Guatney Chevrolet. At the Gregory Street exit in Jacksonville, this is Guatney Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hey, remember, if you miss the show, you can go to guatneyunplugged.com and listen to past shows. I've got 100 more plus shows on there. You can listen to guatneyunplugged.com. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes, all that kind of good stuff. The Arkansas Cyber Defense Center is what we're talking about. They provide critical services to Arkansas small businesses and help them withstand and recover from cyber incidents. We're talking with Dugan Stem. How are you, Dugan? Hey, Scott. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Man, this is such a timely thing. I, I want to ask first, are you from Arkansas, and, and and how did you get into computers and all of this? Uh, no, sir. I'm actually from the North Texas area, so just outside of Dallas. I got you. Um, but I joined the services of the military um, back in the around 2018, and so I've been a little all over the country, um, but came to Arkansas with no plan in mind. Um, and we can kind of get into that, but I, it was as I was transitioning from the military that brought me back here. So in the military, did you do some computer-oriented stuff? Obviously, you've got a background. You know something about Windows. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll do now. Yes, sir. So actually, before um, in the military, I worked in the intelligence community out on the East Coast. Oh, that's um, cool. For a brief, yes, sir. For a brief time. Um, and then I realized that intelligence was great, but I wanted to kind of take it to the IT or cyber field. They they do kind of correlate with each other, but they're not the same thing. And um, at the time, my skills were novice at best, but uh, I came across a program that all service members have access to. It's called the DOD Skill Bridge Program. It allows transitioning members, service members, to um, cross over into the you know, civilian workforce while still serving in the military. Um, that way, when they do cross over, trans, or, um, or transition out or retire, they don't have to feel the, the new burden of starting over from scratch. My so son, Jonah, is almost to the skill bridge program in the Air Force. He's at about three and a half years, and he's looking to – I'm very familiar with what you're talking about. It's a great deal. Basically, you work for a yeah. company, but you're still getting paid by the military, so it's not an expense of that company to learn their trade, Correct. Correct. It's a win-win for the service member. It's a win-win for the company um, because they get they get to what we're hearing in industries right now is that the workforce employers are looking for people to hire, but some of them are, are too technical to the point where they can't mold, especially in IT, sure. or they don't have quite the skills yet to kind of push them into that workforce or that role. Well, I was in the same boat as that ladder, and that's what brought me to Forge Institute which is um, powered or is powering the Arkansas Cyber Defense Center. When we talk about Arkansas Cyber Defense, we talk about, I guess, computer defense and these attacks and all that. Are we talking about defense of strictly a desktop computer, or does this also involve people's cell phones? Of course. Cell phones are, are, very, used, are very needed to be secure. Um, you know, people think of their laptop or computer being the sole source of a cyber attack, and that is absolutely incorrect um mobile phones uh, the physical security uh, of your organization is also critical that's true how often is a business basically locked out of their information and held hostage how often is this happening so i mean it, it ransomware which is 
sort of what you're talking about is is, is on the rise. So giving an exact number really isn't beneficial because tomorrow is going to be even higher. Um, and that is the number one causing concern for small businesses is ransomware, locking you out of your accounts, locking you out of your data um, to the point to where you cease all operations. Does and this, that is that's, that's um, huge. It's huge deal these days. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and um, you know, some factoids here is that, you know, 60% of the small businesses that are hit by a ransomware attack, they, they, you know, they usually go out of business within six months. Oh so my half of these guys, so 60% are not recovering because they either weren't prepared um, or they didn't stay resilient after the fact that it already happened. Does this typically get started or happen because of some email someone clicks on? Somebody innocently kicks this off at their company? Sure. I was just talking about this, um, looking at uh, one of our assessments, and they were worried about, well, where does this all happen from? And just like in the military, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Um, and that's not saying that somebody is your weakest link. That could be your configurations. Um, so, yeah, it could be an attachment in an email that you clicked on that was malicious or um, navigating to a um, suspicious or maybe even a malicious uh, web page um, is also a cause. and. Um, both of these are very, very common for small businesses. Is there such thing as either someone like yourself or software that attacks this malware that has locked up these people's information? Is there any way to attack that short of just paying off this ransom and getting it unlocked? So there are tools out there and I can't really go into the, which tools are the best because we're not sponsoring them or they're not sponsoring us necessarily. But the best thing here is that, yes, so for ransomware um, or or really any other small business related attack, there are numerous tools out there. But set aside the tools for a second, Scott. It's more about the best practices that you're using. Sure, you're going to need tools when um, a ransomware happens and you got to decide, am I going to pay the fine or not? But some of the best things you could do is just having good data backups which doesn't cost you next, next to anything. Um, so, for, you know, you can skip having to buy the monthly subscription to tools and just having a good data backup on your critical assets is enough to overcome a ransomware attack. Well, these people are crooks. How often does someone pay the, the ransom and then they don't unlock their information? Yeah, that, that stat changes by, by whoever you ask, but um, more than not, you know, and that's, that's, the, that's the concern. Correct. I mean, it's sure. do I pay the ransom? And, and it, even if I pay it, what's the likelihood of me getting my data back? And it goes even further than that. Maybe you get access to your accounts or maybe you get your data back, but that data isn't compromised. And so it ties us right back into backing up your sensitive data, having a, a point of reference before the incident occurred um, to, to bring back online. Then you don't have to worry about is your data still, um, uh, does it have integrity? Is it still, uh, confidential? Is it still um, accurate? One of my best friends, and he listens to the show every week, and I'm not going to name him just because, you know, but his company that he works at, you know, this happened to them, all their stuff gets locked up, that they want to lock in a millions of dollars of ransom. But what ends up mm -hmm. happening, it seems like, is the companies, whether they pay the ransom or they don't, they never want to acknowledge publicly that this happened to them because of their customers finding out. So it's almost like this is a crime 
that doesn't have awareness to it because no one wants to admit they're a victim. Is that is that a thing? Does that make sense? Sure, it's very accurate, and and it goes with anything. Is is um you know look at some of the things that happened over the last the last few years, the last decade, the big Target uh, situation, and that wasn't ransomware, but the detriment that happened to that company um, or any company, you should be worried about. Well, what's the impact to my customers? And not only do they have to explain what has happened, they have to explain their failures, and nobody, I mean, regardless, wants to do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it does. It does happen. People people keep it kind of swept under the rug, uh, find a way to recover and move forward. And I I know similar cases like the one you spoke about. Um, so it happens all the time, especially the really small businesses, because they, they simply cannot afford the negative publicity of something happening. But we need to find a way around that, Scott. We need to find a way to collaborate with trusted people, such as the ACDC, um, about these situations and, and not only trying to help them, but finding ways to talk about that in a in a sanitized form to where we're not blasting a small business, but we're talking about the bigger problem, which is kind of what we're doing now. What kind of money are we talking about that these ransoms usually are? What are the typical ones you've seen? So it, it, it really, it, the numbers are everywhere. And the, that's the hard part is that there's no, the value of a ransomware is not defined. And what I mean by that is that I've seen, you know, there are cases of large companies, not small businesses that pay just minute amounts of dollars because in the end, they're not going after the money. They're going after the data. But I've also seen it on the flip side is that these small businesses get these huge multi-million dollar ransoms. Um, but what has come into fruition as a late is that um, some businesses are starting to realize I'm just not going to pay it um, for multiple reasons. But also, you know, think of it from the um, adversary or the or the attacker side of things. You ask for too much money, if that business can't provide it, you're not getting it, and you just wasted your time. Yeah. So there's that fine line back and forth. It's kind of like the Somalian coast. You know, you can ask for if you want for one of those barges. You know, they might pay it, they might not. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of you know, if I, if I, yeah. Well, the SBA, if I had this right, the Small Business Association um, considers a small business somebody who has a forty million dollars in revenue or less a year. It's a big number. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, think about it. If you were a small business and a ransomware attack, I, more than likely you're not making forty million dollars a year. So, somebody asking you for a multi-million dollar ransom, it's just not not probable. It's you can't provide happening. 10, 20. Yeah, you can't provide 10, 20, 30% of your annual revenue to a ransomware. You won't recover. How often do you go out to a business in Arkansas and they literally, you're just shocked. They have nothing in place. Um, every day. Um, <laughs> and and uh, some of these may be clients and some of these may just be real you know, business that I stop on because that's part of my routine. Um, and you'll find passwords all over the place. Uh, I mean, I guarantee you probably go to a local grocery store and somebody's put a password behind their monitor somewhere. And that's just, like I said, when I said earlier about physical security, that plays a huge portion of that. When people hear the term firewall, what is that? And is that one of the main defenses? So when it comes to your network security, uh, and we're talking about all the computers, even the phones that are, that are a part of that Wi-Fi network, a lot of them use a, a firewall. It, it, it is a method or a a device, and this could be a physical device, and it could also be a digital device that monitors and has configuration set to allow incoming outgoing traffic. 
but it also will stop ingoing and outgoing traffic based on what they deem is is unsafe or unauthorized. I got you. Hey, would you kind of explain something for the audience? Because I think I, myself, I do see this a lot. I will see ads for things like on eBay or Facebook or whatever. And it's these little devices called flippers or something. And they have something, they go in your pocket, but they have something to do with attacking wireless networks. Could you explain what that is people are seeing in those ads and what they do? You know, I, I'm not honestly familiar with that particular one, Scott. Um, but I will say this. Um, device, I mean, there's numerous amount of wi- wireless devices that can be handheld um, that can still digital information. Um, you know, if you use your phone, to um, pay for things at the grocery store. There are ways, there are wireless devices that can pull that payment information just by walking by. Um, and, you know, that's that's kind of a general term, but there are tons of different tools out there that can be used for malicious means. Um, and the thing is that they're freely accessible on the open market. Yeah, I was at a donut shop the other day. You know, that's not going to shock anybody, but it literally scanned my card before I got the card close to the square thing. And I, you know, mm-hmm. the lady Absolutely. behind me says, yeah, I've had it pick mine up in my purse. That's kind of scary. Yeah, that's, that's a little interesting. Um, and, and that's why, you know, personally, I mean, we all have those debit cards that have the wireless scanner. Um, and unfortunately sometimes they work and sometimes they don't work and that's technology as a whole, but, that probably relates more back to the device that should be scanning your your car for payment is either configured incorrectly or that maybe their settings are just maybe a little too strong. Um, and that goes back to the payment uh, payment security. And everybody needs to be aware that they need to watch the policies in place that um, their car has. But luckily, most most cars, most payment options have some kind of default security put in place because of that. Hey, I'm a Mac guy. I've always been a Mac guy since the 80s. Is it true mm-hmm. that they're more resistant to these type of attacks than a Windows computer? Um, de- okay, so default, I would say yes, in a big, large summary. And that's no discredit to Windows devices. Sure. But Mac computers or Mac devices are, uh, are default configured to have better security. But... Personally, you're better off probably switching to a Linux operating system. Um, that is going to be the most default secure operating system between the three big companies, such as Windows, Macintosh, and now Linux. I believe that runs on a Mac. I believe a Mac can run a Linux mm-hmm. software, I, I think. Of course. Of course. You can use Linux software on just about any other operating device and switch it. Um, I myself have converted my Windows operating PC to a Linux operating PC. Um, and it's not that hard to do. And I mean, even you can even learn this doing a, a college course. My uh, producer, one of my very best friends, uh, I won't name him. Okay. It's Bob. Uh, yeah. He fell. I know Bob. Bob's very good. Oh, Bob's awesome guy. And he fell for one of these fishing deals. Uh, and, and I want to ask, it looked completely legit. It comes mm-hmm. from, you know, one of our supervisors. The, the, in the email, she appears to, uh, you know, know what's going on in the company. How is this done from the other side? How does an email appear to come from somebody you speak to all the time? And how do they appear to be aware of what's going on in the company? 
Sure. Um, so that part of that could be social engineering. Uh, another term for that could be open source intelligence gathering. Um, open source means it's available on the internet in one form or fashion, so to speak. Um, and it's a very good chance that using social engineering, these adversaries have identified the um, personnel structure within a company to some extent, um, maybe even gotten one of their email accounts somehow. There's multiple ways to do that and has started building that network to pretend or to commit identity fraud through a digital you know, social media space. Um, I've seen this myself. I get, you know, from different different companies I've worked for over the years. I've seen one of my bosses send me an email pretending to be my boss, um, and they're they're saying that they want to, um, they need me to do a task or to send a debit card. Now, the funny thing is, there's a couple of ways to avoid this. One is understanding the chain of command, for lack of a better term. It, there's no reason my CEO should be contacting me directly through email because I, I am lower in the food chain, right? Yeah. There's also proper, there's, I mean, this is the case, there's proper language, um, you know, and just reading over the email, because of course you clicked on it because you think it's your boss. Well, you've already made a, probably a mistake there, but you, you you clicked on the email and you're like, okay, this doesn't look like a proper English written. No CEO is going to sound like this. No, no, no supervisor is going to talk this way in an email. Um, and that could be a mistyping uh, words that could be improper um, use of verbiage, and then of course, if if you don't click on but hover over where the email originated from, a lot of times that email address is not in your network or in your um, contact list, um, and it'll be something completely different. You know, it, you think it's supposed to be a Gmail email, and it's coming from something .co. Well, that's not even a, it's nowhere here in the United States. So yeah, don't. That's when you know. This is a fraud. This is this is phishing, and it, but it works. People do it all the oh, time. Yeah. People have, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to get in trouble from my boss. So yeah, I'm going to send you that gift card because you told me to do it, and it's a big crazy day. <laughs> and that's what's to watch out for. Small businesses need to know when they have big events, when they have those important days that, of course, you blasted on social media about ribbon cuttings, brand openings, new products on the line. Social engineering is critical, and they take that information. And they will go ahead and try to abuse it by, by blasting emails at you, asking you, you know, I'm in a rush for the ribbon cutting. Can you send me the credit card information? Because I, t- I left it at the office. People have succumbed to that. And thus you've had an incident. Are any of these people ever caught and charged and sent to prison? Sure. Uh, digital forensics and just investigation as a whole um, can um, deter and, and not even that and, and um, find some of these people. Now, you do have uh, individuals called nation state actors or, or advanced persistent threats. And these are the high level. These are the um, large scale criminal organizations. So attribution can be identified of who did this, but but um, charging them criminally and being successful in that regard is, is very hard um, to do. And that's why it's important to stay vigilant and to set up good security beforehand because sometimes you're kind of out of luck. So it's dang Russians. <laughs> yep. Um, it's, it's the, you know, it's, it's the Russians, it's the Chinese, um, yeah. it's the North Koreans. It, and it, it's not even that. And it's domestic, Scott. It's yeah, everywhere. It's um, everywhere. What does it but, cost you know, a company to have you come in and evaluate where they're at? Uh, zero dollars. 
and zero Bitcoin and zero everything. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Let's give out the contact information. Arkansas Cyber Defense System Center. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, so the, you're fine. So the Arkansas Cyber Defense Center, you can reach us our phone number. That's 501-500. Excuse me. Let me back up here because that's the forge. So 501-239-9599. We're happy to take your call. You can also contact us on our webpage. That is forge.institute slash ACDC. You can go to there and uh, reach out to us that way. Um, you can also find us on LinkedIn. You're saying that occasionally these people do get caught. I've always wondered about a local case, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, but it made national news that uh, years ago the Arkansas Highway Department a terrorist group like Al-Qaeda had hacked into their servers and hosted their content uh, at the Arkansas Highway Department. How does something like that happen? And then how does it eventually get discovered? Um, so there are a couple of things. And, and this comes down to um, people just being um, so either a, a terrorist organization or, or an advanced persistent threat, because more than likely that's where that originated from. I'm not super familiar with the case, but um, what I would say is this, either somebody um, through, the, through the company or through the organization identified that something wasn't right with their systems, um, or it was blunt and right in front of them, like a, they couldn't access accounts or the website was defaced or some of their services were not operating normally. Um, that is probably some of the no, most initial ways or the customer base realized that they were losing access or having trouble or difficulties within their, their system. You know, Dugan, it seems like it would be helpful if you were going to go into a small business and evaluate it, maybe before you ever showed up, what if you sent a phishing email that was you just testing the waters to see how employees would react? So that would be on the lines of red teaming or penetration testing. Um, I would say this, although that's not, that, that is, that does happen. Penetration testing is real and is a service that, you know, we, we don't obviously, we don't provide right now because it's very tricky, but we can find a way to get that sort of service if you need it. Um, so if there's anything that ACDC can't provide, we have a means of finding a way to provide it for you. Um, I would say on top of that, though, is that pen testing or, or sending phishing attacks may not always be the um, first step. I would say the best thing to do is, is identify the weaknesses or the vulnerabilities first. Um, because if I, a normal, for example, a normal fisherman is not going to just randomly fish in a pond. Some might, but more than likely, they're going to talk to somebody and get a little information about that area when it comes to fishing. They're going to make sure they have a fishing license. They're going to, hopefully, or they're going to um, ask people around what kind of fish is in that pond or lake before they go out there and start fishing. Um, and so the same concept for cybersecurity, you should identify some of the things that you should be that are vulnerable um, and identify where you're strong and then start making those alterations. Without giving any company names, could you talk about <laughs> some of the worst cases you've experienced? Oh, goodness. Um, sure. Uh, so I'd say, you know, a fairly recent case I have, I wouldn't say it's the worst case scenario, but the risk was very high. Um, and the risk was this, is that a, a company worked within a larger installation that provided the network. Mm -hmm. um, and that network and, and it is a wonderful establishment, and these are very good people. Um, but without being able to 
have access or control over the network that you work in is very, very risky. Um, additionally, not having proper policies, and that's good for anybody. It's happen, having some security policies in place to start that management and that, and that um, um, policymaker decision process is critical. And what, what, what was happening was is that it got out of hand, and that's, that's probably for all small, small businesses. This business had too much going on and was a wonderful business who had seen some issues in the past, um, but was able to overcome them and recover. But the issue was that they had personnel that worked remotely and there was nothing set up in place for that. They had um, people working internationally, um, which is fine, but there was no security policy in place. And that alone is very, very, very risky because even if you go to an ally of the United States, their privacy policies are 100% different than the United States. And, and I don't like using the word collection, but that is a process depending on where you go. Um, and not to mention the other adversaries that they're going to deal there that are more local. Um, cybersecurity does not just exist here in Arkansas or in the United States. It's everywhere, um, regardless if you think you're going somewhere for a vacation or not. They don't care. In fact, they probably would prefer you going on vacation because you, so. you lose focus. So if you guys work out of Little Rock or, or so, what is your range within the borders of Arkansas? Do you only get so far out of central Arkansas or how do you, how, what kind of manpower do you have to do this? If you are a small business in Arkansas, Scott, call me and I will come to you, period. I don't care where you're at in Arkansas. If you need help and you want me there on the ground or one of my team members on the ground, we will be there to support you. And if for some reason, maybe weather related, we can't, we can get online on Zoom or another means and talk to you. But I was just actually last week, I was in Northwest Arkansas there for about a week. Uh, I had back up there in June. We have individuals that are going to Fort Smith down to Arkadelphia. So we, we go everywhere. Um, and it don't feel like small business shouldn't feel like just because we're in central Arkansas, we're only going to help central Kansans. That's absolutely not true. Even Booger Hollow? Sure, bring it. Because they're supposed to get um, the internet next week, you know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, and for some of these smaller rural areas, they have an advantage now because they, they don't necessarily use the same services and technology that people do in metropolitan areas. And that's, that's a very, uh, you know, summarized concept. But also, I mean, I just, I, I'm not from Arkansas. But, I, you know, through my travels, through some, some scheduling, I find a place called Flippin' Arkansas. That's oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, they make ranger um, boats Never there. heard of them before. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we do, we work really well with the chambers within the state. Uh, we work very well with the state chamber. And we've been contacting chambers throughout all of Arkansas, trying to schedule events, get involved to where even if, we understand that small businesses don't have a lot of time to take in training, but we are there to help them, not only physically in person, doing maybe assessments or training and outreach, but online. Give me a call. Shoot me an email. And we can schedule something. You being from Texas and living in Arkansas, have you learned to like pork barbecue yet? I mean, I got to ask. Uh, I'm going to be careful because I don't want people to call me upset. <laughs> um uh, I, if you if you think that you have very as a small business if you think you have very good barbecue please let me know and you'll uh, come and I will right on out yeah you go to the top I'll, of the I'll, list <laughs> uh, I, but I will be the judge and I and I, I am a little blunt about my barbecue I understand man I, you know I want to ask you 
I'm an iPhone guy, Apple guy, or whatever. And occasionally, you know, browsing your phone, you get into these loops, uh, even on a browser, on a computer, where, you know, a page keeps repeating itself. Is that, has someone penetrated your system, or is it, is there some kind of other thing that causes that? Like maybe that same page will keep you know, popping up with that ad on it or that malware or your computer has been infected. Click here. What is that exactly? I, I see that um, a lot. So if your phone or this goes for any device is telling you click here, your, your device may have malware. Do not do that. Um, that is a phishing attempt. That is somebody maliciously, more than likely, almost certainly, somebody is maliciously sending you information to try or sending you a, a link to to pull information from you, it's phishing. Uh, um, I would say this though: if your phone is, like you said, it is is having trouble repeating the same page um, or buffering out, there's a bunch of things that could be going on. It could be a bad bad signal strength. Um, it could be if you're tying your phone to a Wi-Fi network that is public Wi-Fi. Um, that that is, could be a problem. Adding, you're adding a lot of risk to yourself there. Um, but there's numerous things. There are also older devices, even iPhones. I know everybody loves them. Um, but even older devices start having issues, and that actually comes from the service provider or the manufacturer, um, because they're they're doing some things that you should be aware of. That I think you have to do research on your own. I got you. Hey, let's give out the contact information. Arkansas Cyber Defense Center. Yeah. So ACDC, you can call us at 501-239-9599 or reach us at forge.institute/acdc. You guys need a theme song like she hacked me all night long. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, something like that. <laughs> I, agree, I agree, Scott. You know, we, we were working on a mascot and unfortunately somebody had already trademarked the one we were wanting to get. So we're, we're reinventing that a little bit. Um, but I do think we have a pretty catchy acronym and I think that is going to be our pivot for future clients man that's fantastic thank you so much dugan stem the arkansas cyber defense center look those guys up we'll be right back here on guatney unplugged